CD 8. Tiffany wondered if it had been. Once, when the wandering teachers had come to the village, she had paid half a dozen eggs for a morning's education on wonders of the universe. That was expensive for education, but it had been thoroughly worth it. The teacher had been a little crazy, even for a teacher, but what he'd said had seemed to make absolute sense. One of the most amazing things about the universe, he had said, was that sooner or later everything is made up of everything else, although it'll probably take millions and millions of years for this to happen. The other children had giggled or argued, but Tiffany knew that what had once been tiny living creatures was now the chalk of the hills. Everything went around, even stars. That had been a very good morning, especially since she'd been refunded half an egg for pointing out that universe had been spelt wrong. Was it true? Maybe that didn't matter. Maybe it just had to be true enough for Arthur. Her eyes, the inner eyes that opened twice, were beginning to close. She could feel the power draining away. You couldn't stay in that state for long. You became so aware of the universe that you'd stopped being aware of you. How clever of humans to have learned how to close their minds. Was there anything so amazing in the universe as boredom? She sat down, just for a moment, and picked up a handful of the sand. It rose above her hand, twisting like smoke, reflecting the starlight, then settled back as if it had all the time in the world. She had never felt this tired. She still heard the inner voices. The hiver had left memories behind, just a few. She could remember when there had been no stars, and when there had been no such thing as yesterday. She knew what was beyond the sky and beneath the grass but she couldn't remember when she had last slept, properly slept, in a bed. Being unconscious didn't count. She closed her eyes and closed her eyes again. Someone kicked her hard on the foot. Dinna get asleep, Rob anybody shouted. Not here. You canna get asleep here. Rise and shine. Still feeling muzzy, Tiffany pushed herself back onto her feet through gentle swirls of rising dust and turned to the dark door. It wasn't there. There were her footprints in the sand, but they went only a few feet and, anyway, were slowly disappearing. There was nothing around her but dead desert forever. She turned back to look towards the distant mountains, but her view was blocked by a tall figure, all in black, holding a scythe. It hadn't been there before. "'Good afternoon,' said Death. Chapter 12. The Egress Tiffany stared up into a black hood. There was a skull in it, but the eye sockets glowed blue. At least bones had never frightened Tiffany. They were only chalk that had walked around. Are you... she began, but Rob anybody gave a yell and leapt straight for the hood. There was a thud. Death took a step backward and raised a skeletal hand to his cowl. He pulled Rob Anybody out by his hair and held him at arm's length while the Knack MacFiegel cursed and kicked. "'Is this yours?' Death asked Tiffany. The voice was heavy and all around her like thunder. "'No, uh, he, he's his.' "'I was not expecting a Knack MacFiegel today,' said Death. "'Otherwise I would have worn protective clothing. Ha, ha.' "'They do fight a lot,' Tiffany admitted. "'You are Death, aren't you?' I know this might sound like a silly question. You are not afraid? Not yet. But, uh, 
Which way to the egress, please? There was a pause. Then Death said in a puzzled voice, Isn't that a female eagle? No, said Tiffany. Everyone thinks that. Actually, it's the way out. The exit. Death pointed with the hand that still held the incandescently angry Rob Anybody. That way. You have to walk the desert. All the way to the mountains? Yes. But only the dead can take that way. You've got to let me go sooner or later, you big nut me, yelled Rob Anybody. And then you're going to get such a kicking. There was a door here, said Tiffany. Ah, yes, said Death. But there are rules. That was a way in, you see. What's the difference? A fairly important one, I'm sorry to say. You will have to see yourselves out. Do not fall asleep here. Sleep here never ends. Death vanished. Rob anybody dropped to the sand and came up ready to fight, but they were alone. You'll have to make a door out, he said. I don't know how. Rob, I told you not to come with me. Can't you get out? Aye, probably. But I've got to see you safe. The Kelder put a geese on me. I must save the hag of the hills. Jeanie told you that. Aye, she was very definite, said Rob anybody. Tiffany slumped down onto the sand again. It fountained up and around her. I'll never get out, she said. How to get in? Yes, that wasn't hard. She looked around. They weren't obvious, but there were occasional changes in the light and little puffs of dust. People she couldn't see were walking past her. People were crossing the desert. Dead people going to find out what was beyond the mountains. I'm eleven, she thought. People will be upset. She thought about the farm and how her mother and father would react. But there wouldn't be a body, would there? So people would hope and hope that she'd come back and was just missing, like old Mrs. Happens in the village, who lit a candle in the window every night for her son who'd been lost at sea thirty years ago. She wondered if Rob could send a message. But what could she say? I'm not dead, I'm just stuck. I should have thought of other people, she said aloud. I weel ye did, said Rob, sitting down by her foot. Yon Arthur went off happy and just saved other folk from being killed. You did what you had to do. Yes, thought Tiffany, that's what we have to do. And there's no one to protect you because you're the one who's supposed to do that sort of thing. But her second thoughts said, I'm glad I did it. I'd do it again. I stopped the hiver killing anyone else, even though we led it right into the trials. And that thought was followed by a space. There should have been another thought, but she was too tired to have it. It had been important. Thank you for coming, Rob, she said. But when you can leave, you must go straight back to Jeanie, understand? And tell her I'm grateful she sent you. Say I wish we'd had a chance to get to know each other better. Oh, I, I've sent the lads back anyway. Hamish is waiting for me. At which point the door appeared and opened. Granny Weatherwax stepped through and beckoned urgently. Some people just don't have the sense they were born with. Come on right now, she commanded. Behind her the door started to swing shut, but she swung around savagely and rammed her boot against the jam, shouting, Oh, no, you don't, you sly devil. But I thought there were rules, said Tiffany, getting up and hurrying forward, all tiredness suddenly gone. Even a tired body wants to survive. Oh, really? said Granny. Did you sign anything? Did you take any kind of oath? No? Then they weren't your rules. Now, quickly. And you, Mr. Anyone. Rob Anybody jumped onto her boot just before she pulled it away. The door shut with another click, disappeared, and left them in 
Deadlight, it seemed, a space of grey air. Won't take long, said Granny Weatherwax. Doesn't usually. It's the world getting back into line. Oh, don't look like that. You showed it the way right, out of pity. Well, I know this path already. You'll tread it again, no doubt, for some other poor soul. Open the door for them as can't find it. But we don't talk about it, understand? Miss Level never... We don't talk about it, I said, said Granny Weatherwax. Do you know what a part of being a witch is? It's making the choices that have to be made. The hard choices. But you did quite well. There's no shame in pity. She brushed some grass seed off her dress. I hope Mrs. Og has arrived, she said. I need a recipe for apple chutney. Oh, when we arrive you might feel a bit dizzy. I'd better warn you. Granny, said Tiffany as the light began to grow brighter. It brought tiredness back with it too. Yes? What exactly happened just then? What do you think happened? Light burst in upon them. Someone was wiping Tiffany's forehead with a damp cloth. She lay, feeling the beautiful coolness. There were voices around her, and she recognised the chronic complainer tones of Anagramma. And she was really making a fuss in Zack Honestly, I don't think she's quite right in the head. I think she's literally gone cuckoo. She was shouting things and using some kind of... Oh, I don't know, some peasant's trick to make us think she'd turned that fool brine into a frog. Well, of course, she didn't fool me for one minute. Tiffany opened her eyes and saw the round pink face of Petulia, screwed up with concern. Um, she's awake, said the girl. The space between Tiffany and the ceiling filled up with pointy hats. They drew back reluctantly as she sat up. From above, it must have looked like a dark daisy closing and opening. Where is this, she said. Um, the first aid and lost children's tent, said Petulia. Um, you fainted when Mistress Weatherwax brought you back from, from wherever you'd gone. Everyone's been in to see you. She, she said like you'd, you'd drag the monster into, into like the next world, said Lucy Warbeck, her eyes gleaming. Mistress Weatherwax told everyone all about it. Well, it wasn't quite, Tiffany began. She felt something prod her in the back. She reached behind her and her hand came out holding a pointy hat. It was almost grey with age and quite battered. Zack-Zack wouldn't have dared try to sell something like this, but the other girls stared at it like starving dogs watching a butcher's hand. Um, Mistress Weatherwax gave you her hat, breathed Petulia. Her actual hat. She said you were a born witch and no witch should be without a hat, said Dibbity Hubbub, watching. That's nice, said Tiffany. She was used to second-hand clothes. It's only an old hat, said Anagramma. Tiffany looked up at the tall girl and let herself smile slowly. Anagramma, she said, raising her hand with the fingers open. Anagramma backed away. Oh, no, she said. Don't you do that. Don't you do that. Someone stop her doing that. Do you want a balloon, Anagramma, said Tiffany, sliding off the table. No, please. Anagramma took another step back, holding her arms in front of her face and fell over a bench. Tiffany picked her up and patted her cheerfully on her cheek. Then I shan't buy you one, she said. But please learn what literally really means, will you? Anagramma smiled in a frozen kind of way. Uh, yes, she managed. Good. And then we will be friends. She left the girl standing there and went back to pick up the hat. Um, you're probably still a bit woozy, said Petulia. You probably don't understand. Ha, I, I wasn't actually frightened, you know, said Anagramma. It was all for fun, of course. No one paid any attention. Understand what? said Tiffany. It's her actual hat, the girls chorused. It's, it's like if that hat could talk, what stories it would have to, you know, you know, you know, tell, said Lucy Warbeck. 
"'It was just a joke,' said Anagramma to anyone who was listening. Tiffany looked at the hat. It was very battered and not extremely clean. If that hat could talk, it would probably mutter. "'Where's Granny Weatherwax now?' she said. There was a gasp from the girls. This was nearly as impressive as the hat. "'Um, she doesn't mind you calling her that,' said Petulia. "'She invited me to,' said Tiffany. "'Only we, we heard you had to have known her for, for, for like a hundred years before she let you call her that,' said Lucy Warbeck. Tiffany shrugged. "'Well, anyway,' she said. "'Do you know where she is?' "'Oh, uh, have, having tea with the other old witches and, and yakking on about chutney and, and how witches today aren't what they were when she was a girl,' said Lulu Darling. "'What?' said Tiffany. "'Just having tea?' The young witches looked at one another in puzzlement. "'Um, there is buns, too,' said Petulia, "'if that's important.' "'But she opened the door for me, the door into... out of the... the desert. "'You can't just sit down after that and have buns.' "'Um, the ones I saw had icing on them,' Petulia ventured nervously. "'They weren't just homemade.' "'Look, look,' said Lucy Warbeck, "'we didn't really, you know, see anything. "'You were just standing there with this, like, glow around you, "'and, and we couldn't get in, and then Grand uh, Mistress Weatherwax "'walked up and stepped right in, and you both, you know, stood there.' And, and then the glow went zip and vanished, and, and you, you, like, uh, fell over. What Lucy is failing to say very accurately, said Anagramma, is that we didn't actually see you go anywhere. I'm telling you this as a friend, of course. There was just this glow which could have been anything. Anagramma was going to be a good witch, Tiffany considered. She could tell herself stories that she literally believed, and she could bounce back like a ball. Don't forget I saw the horse, said Harrietta Bilk. Anagramma rolled her eyes. Oh, yes, Harrietta thinks she saw some kind of a horse in the sky. Except it didn't look like a horse, she says. She says it looked like a horse would look if you took the actual horse away and just left the horsiness. Right, Harrietta? I didn't say that, snapped Harrietta. Well, pardon me, that's what it sounded like. Um, and some people said they saw a white horse grazing in the next field, too, said Petulia. And a lot of the older witches said they felt a tremendous amount of... Yes, some people thought they saw a horse in a field, but it isn't there any more, said Anagramma in the sing-song voice she used when she thought it was all stupid. That must be very rare in the country, seeing horses in fields. Anyway, if there really was a white horse, it was grey. Tiffany sat on the edge of the table, staring at her knees. Anger at Anagramma had jolted her to life, but now the tiredness was creeping back. I suppose... "'None of you saw a little blue man about six inches high with red hair,' she said quietly. "'Anyone?' said Anagramma with malicious cheerfulness. There was a general mumbling of no. S "'Sorry, Tiffany,' said Lucy. "'Don't worry,' said Anagramma. "'He probably just rode away on his white horse.' "'This is going to be like fairyland all over again,' thought Tiffany. "'Even I can't remember if it was real. Why should anyone believe me?' But she had to try. There was a dark doorway, she said slowly, and beyond it was a desert of black sand, and it was light, although there were stars in the sky, and death was there. I spoke to him. You spoke to him, did you? said Anagramma. And what did he say? Pray. He didn't say pray, said Tiffany. We didn't talk about much, but he didn't know what an egress was. Uh, it's a small type of heron, isn't it? said Harrietta. There was silence except for the noise of the trials outside. "'It's not your fault,' said Anagramma, in what was, for her, almost a friendly voice. "'It's like I said, Mistress Weatherwax messes with people's heads.' "'What, what, what about the glow?' said Lucy. 
That was probably ball lightning, said Anagramma. That's very strange stuff. But people were like hammering on it. It was as hard as ice. Ah, well, it probably felt like that, said Anagramma. But it was probably affecting people's muscles, maybe. I'm only trying to be helpful here, she added. You've got to be sensible. She just stood there. You saw her. There weren't any doors or deserts. There was just her. Tiffany sighed. She felt tired. She wanted to crawl off somewhere. She wanted to go home. She'd walk there now if her boots weren't suddenly so uncomfortable. While the girls argued, she undid the laces and tugged one off. Silver-black dust poured out. When it hit the ground, it bounced slowly, curving up into the air again like mist. The girls turned, watching in silence. Then Petulia reached down and caught some of the dust. When she lifted her hand, the fine stuff flowed between her fingers. It fell as slowly as feathers. Sometimes things go wrong, she said in a faraway voice. Mistress Blackcap told me, haven't any of you been there when old folk are dying? There were one or two nods, but everyone was watching the dust. Sometimes things go wrong, said Petulia again. Sometimes they're dying, but they can't leave because they don't know the way. She said that's when they need you to be there, close to them, to help them find the door so they don't get lost in the dark. Petulia, we're not supposed to talk about this, said Harrietta gently. No, said Petulia, her face red. It is time to talk about it just here, just us, because she said it's the last thing you can do for someone. She said there's a dark desert they have to cross, where the sand... Ha! Mrs. Earwig says that sort of thing is black magic, said Anagramma, her voice as sharp and sudden as a knife. Does she? said Petulia dreamily as the sand poured down. Well, Mistress Blackcap said that sometimes the moon is light and sometimes it's in shadow. But you should always remember it's the same moon. And Anagramma? Yes. Petulia took a deep breath. Don't you ever dare interrupt me again as long as you live. Don't you dare. Don't you dare. I mean it. Chapter 13 The Witch Trials And then there were the trials themselves. That was the point of the day, wasn't it? But Tiffany, stepping out with the girls around her, sensed the buzz in the air. It said, was there any point now, after what had happened? Still, people had put up the rope square again, and a lot of the older witches dragged their chairs to the edge of it, and it seemed that it was going to happen after all. Tiffany wandered up to the rope, found a space, and sat down on the grass with Granny Weatherwax's hat in front of her. She was aware of the other girls behind her, and also of a buzz or susurration of whispering spreading out into the crowd. She really did do it too. No, really. All the way to the desert. Saw the dust. Her boots were full, they say. Gossip spreads faster among witches than a bad cold. Witches gossip like starlings. There were no judges and no prizes. The trials weren't like that, as Petulia had said. The point was to show what you could do, to show what you'd become, so that people would go away thinking things like, that Caramella Bottlethwaite, she's coming along nicely. It wasn't a competition, honestly. No one won. And if you believed that, you'd believe the moon is pushed around the sky by a goblin called Wilberforce. What was true was that one of the older witches generally opened the thing with some competent but not surprising trick that everyone had seen before but still appreciated. That broke the ice. 
This year, it was old Goody Trample and her collection of singing mice. But Tiffany wasn't paying attention. On the other side of the roped-off square, sitting on a chair and surrounded by older witches like a queen on her throne, was Granny Weatherwax. The whispering went on. Maybe opening her eyes had opened her ears too, because Tiffany felt she could hear the whispers all around the square. Didn't have no training, just did it. Did you see that horse? I never saw no horse. Didn't just open the door, she stepped right in. Who was it fetched her back? Esme Weatherwax, that's who. Yes, that's what I'm saying. Any little fool could have opened the door by luck, but it takes a real witch to bring her back. That's a winner, that is. Fought the thing, left it there. I didn't see you doing anything, Violet Pulsimone. That child, was there a horse or not? Was it going to do my dancing broom trick? I'd be wasted now, of course. Why did Mistress Weatherwax give the girl her hat, eh? What she wants us to think? She never takes off her hat to no one. You could feel the tension, crackling from pointy hat to pointy hat like summer lightning. The mice did their best with I'm forever blowing bubbles, but it was easy to see that their minds weren't on it. Mice are high-strung and very temperamental. Now people were leaning down beside Granny Weatherwax. Tiffany could see some animated conversations going on. You, you know, Tiffany, said Lucy Warbeck behind her, all you've got to do is, is, like, stand up and admit it. Everyone knows you did it. I mean, no one's ever, ever, uh, like, done something like that at the trials. And it's about time the old bully lost, said Anagramma. But she's not a bully, Tiffany thought. She's tough, and she expects other witches to be tough, because the edge is no place for people who break. Everything with her is a kind of test. And her third thoughts handed over the thought that had not quite made it back in the tent. Granny Weatherwax, you knew the hiver would only come for me, didn't you? You talked to Dr. Bustle. You told me. Did you just turn me into your trick for today? How much did you guess or know? You'd win, said Dimity Hubbub. Even some of the older ones would like to see her taken down a peg. They know big magic happened. There's not a whole shamble for miles. So I'd win because some people don't like somebody else, Tiffany thought. Oh, yes, that's really something to be proud of. You can bet she'll stand up, said Anagramma. You watch. She'll explain how the poor child got dragged into the next world by a monster and she brought her back. That's what I'd do if I was her. I expect you would, Tiffany thought. But you're not, and you're not me either. She stared at Granny Weatherwax, who was waving away a couple of elderly witches. I wonder, she thought, if they've been saying things like, This girl needs taking down a peg, Mistress Weatherwax. And as she thought that, Granny turned back and caught her eye. The mice stopped singing, mostly in embarrassment. There was a pause, and then people started to clap because it was the sort of thing you had to do. A witch, someone Tiffany didn't know, stepped out into the square, still clapping in that fluttery, hands held close together at shoulder height way that people use when they want to encourage the audience to go on applauding just that little bit longer. Well done, Doris. Excellent work as ever, she trilled. They've come along marvellously since last year. Thank you very much. Wonderful. Well done. <coughs> the woman hesitated while, behind her, Doris Trample crawled around on hands and knees, trying to urge her mice back into their box. One of them was having hysterics. And now, perhaps, uh, some lady would like to uh, take the stage, said the mistress of ceremonies, as brightly as a glass ball about to shatter. Anyone? There was a stillness and silence. Don't be shy, ladies. The voice of the mistress of ceremonies was getting more strained by the second. It's no fun trying to organise a field full of born organisers. Modesty does not become us. Anyone? Tiffany felt the pointy hats turning, some towards her, some towards Granny Weatherwax. Away across the few yards of grass, Granny reached up and brushed someone's hand from her shoulder sharply, without breaking eye contact with Tiffany. 
and we're not wearing hats, thought Tiffany. You gave me a virtual hat once, Granny Weatherwax, and I thank you for it. But I don't need it today. Today, I know I'm a witch. Oh, come now, ladies, said the mistress of ceremonies, now almost frantic. This is the trials, a place for friendly and instructive contestation, and an atmosphere of fraternity and goodwill. Surely some lady, or young lady, perhaps? Tiffany smiled. It should be sorority, not fraternity. We're sisters, mistress, not brothers. Come on, Tiffany, Dimity urged. They know you're good. Tiffany shook her head. Oh, well, that's it, said Anagramma, rolling her eyes. The old baggage has messed with the girl's head, as usual. I don't know who's messed with whose head, snapped Petulia, rolling up her sleeves. But I'm going to do the pig trick. She got to her feet, and there was general stir in the crowd. Oh, I see it's going to be... Oh, it's you, Petulia, said the mistress of ceremonies, slightly disappointed. Yes, Miss Casement, and I intend to perform the pig trick, said Petulia loudly. But, uh, you don't seem to have brought a pig with you, said Miss Casement, taken aback. Yes, Miss Casement, I shall perform the pig trick without a pig. This caused a sensation and cries of impossible, and there are children here, you know. Miss Casement looked around her for assistance and found none. Oh, oh well, she said helplessly. If you're sure, dear. Yes, I am. I shall use a sausage, said Petulia, producing one from a pocket and holding it up. There was another sensation. Tiffany didn't see the trick, nor did Granny Weatherwax. Their gaze was like an iron bar, and even Miss Casement instinctively didn't step into it. But Tiffany heard the squeal and the gasp of amazement, and then the thunder of applause. People would have applauded anything at that point, in the same way that pent-up water would take any root out of a dam. And then witches got up. Miss Level juggled balls that stopped and reversed direction in midair. A middle-aged witch demonstrated a new way to stop people from choking, which doesn't even sound magical until you understand that a way of turning nearly dead people into fully alive people is worth a dozen spells that just go twing. And other women and girls came up one at a time with big tricks and handy tips and things that went wee or stopped toothache or, in one case, exploded. And then there were no more entries. Miss Casement walked back into the centre of the field, almost drunk with relief that there had been a trials, and made one final invitation to any ladies, or indeed young ladies, who might like to come forward. There was a silence so thick you could have stuck pins in it. And then she said, Oh well, in that case I declare the trials well and truly closed. Tea will be in the big tent. Tiffany and Granny stood up at the same time to the second and bowed to each other. Then Granny turned away and joined the stampede towards the teas. It was interesting to see how the crowd parted all unaware to let her through, like the sea in front of a particularly good prophet. Petulia was surrounded by other young witches. The pig trick had gone down very well. Tiffany lined up to give her a hug. But you could have won, said Petulia, red in the face with happiness and worry. That doesn't matter. It really doesn't, said Tiffany. You gave it away, said the sharp voice behind her. You had it in your hand and you gave it all away. How do you feel about that, Tiffany? Do you have a taste for humble pie? Now you listen to me, Anagramma, Petulia began, pointing a furious finger. Tiffany reached out and lowered the girl's arm. Then she turned and smiled so happily at Anagramma that it was disturbing. What she wanted to say was, Where I come from, Anagramma, they have the sheepdog trials. Shepherds travel there from all over to show off their dogs. And there are silver crooks and belts with silver buckles and prizes of all kinds, Anagramma. But do you know what the big prize is? No, you wouldn't. 
Oh, there are judges, but they don't count. Not for the big prize. There is. There was a little old lady who was always at the front of the crowd, leaning on the hurdles with her pipe in her mouth, with the two finest sheepdogs ever pupped sitting at her feet. Their names were Thunder and Lightning, and they moved so fast they set the air on fire and their coats outshone the sun, but she never, ever put them in the trials. She knew more about sheep than even sheep know, and what every young shepherd wanted, really wanted, wasn't some silly cup or belt, but to see her take her pipe out of her mouth as he left the arena and quietly say, That'll do! because that meant he was a real shepherd, and all the other shepherds would know it too. And if you told him he had to challenge her, he'd cuss at you and stamp his foot and tell you he'd sooner spit the sun dark. How could he ever win? She was shepherding. It was the whole of her life. What you took away from her, you'd take away from yourself. You don't understand that, do you? But it's the heart and soul and centre of it. The soul and centre. But it would be wasted. So what she said was, Oh, just shut up, Anagrammer. Let's see if there's any buns left, shall we? Overhead, a buzzard screamed. She looked up. The bird turned on the wind and, racing through the air as it began the long glide, headed back towards home. They were always there. Beside her cauldron, Jeanie opened her eyes. He's coming him, she said, scrambling to her feet. She waved a hand urgently at the watching feagles. Don't you just stand there gawping, she commanded. Catch some rabbits to roast, build up the fire, boil up a load of water, cause I'm making a bath. Look at this place, tis like a midden. Get it cleaned up. I want it sparkling for the big man. Go and steal some special sheep liniment, cut some green boughs, holly or you maybe. Shine up the golden plates. The place must sparkle. What are you all standing there for? Er, uh, what did you want us to do first, Kelder? asked a feagle nervously. All of it. In her chamber they filled the Kelder's soup bowl bath and she scrubbed, using one of Tiffany's old toothbrushes, while outside there were the sounds of feagles working hard at cross-purposes. The smell of roasting rabbits began to fill the mound. Jeanie dressed herself in her best dress, did her hair, picked up her shawl and climbed out of the hole. She stood there watching the mountains until, after about an hour, a dot in the sky got bigger and bigger. As a Kelder, she would welcome home a warrior. As a wife, she would kiss her husband and scold him for being so long away. As a woman, she thought she would melt with relief, thankfulness and joy. Chapter 14 Queen of the Bees and one afternoon, about a week later, Tiffany went to see Granny Weatherwax. It was only fifteen miles as the broomstick flies, and as Tiffany still didn't like flying a broomstick, Miss Level took her. It was the invisible part of Miss Level. Tiffany just lay flat on the stick, holding on with arms and legs and knees, and ears if possible, and took along a paper bag to be sick into, because no one likes anonymous sick dropping out of the sky. She was also holding a large hessian sack, which she handled with care. She didn't open her eyes until the rushing noises had stopped and the sounds around her told her she was probably very close to the ground. In fact, Miss Level had been very kind. When she fell off because of the cramp in her legs, the broomstick was just above some quite thick moss. Thank you, said Tiffany as she got up, because it always pays to mind your manners around invisible people. 
She had a new dress. It was green, like the last one. The complex world of favours and obligations and gifts that Miss Level lived and moved in had thrown up four yards of nice material. For the trouble-free birth of Miss Quickly's baby boy, and a few hours dressmaking, Mrs Hunter's bad leg feeling a lot better, thank you, she'd given the black one away. When I'm old, I shall wear midnight, she decided. But for now, she'd had enough of darkness. She looked around at this clearing on the side of a hill, surrounded by oak and sycamore on three sides, but open on the downhill side with a wide view of the countryside below. The sycamores were shedding their spinning seeds, which whirled down lazily across a patch of garden. It was unfenced, even though some goats were grazing nearby. If you wondered why the goats weren't eating the garden, it was because you'd forgotten who lived here. There was a well, and, of course, a cottage. Mrs Earwig would definitely have objected to the cottage. It was out of a storybook. The walls leaned against one another for support. The thatched roof was slipping off like a bad wig, and the chimneys were corkscrewed. If you thought a gingerbread cottage would be too fattening, this was the next worst thing. In a cottage, deep in the forest, lived the wicked old witch. It was a cottage out of the nastier kind of fairy tale. Granny Weatherwax's beehives were tucked away down one side of the cottage. Some were the old straw kind, most were patched up wooden ones. They thundered with activity, even this late in the year. Tiffany turned aside to look at them, and the bees poured out in a dark stream. They swarmed towards Tiffany, formed a column, and... <laughs> she laughed. They'd made a witch of bees in front of her, thousands of them all holding station in the air. She raised her right hand. With a rise and a level of buzzing, the bee witch raised its right hand. She turned around. It turned around, the bees carefully copying every swirl and flutter of her dress the ones on the very edge buzzing desperately because they had fathers to fly. She carefully put down the big sack and reached out towards the figure. With another roar of wings it went shapeless for a moment, then reformed a little way away, but with a hand outstretched towards her. The bee that was the tip of its forefinger hovered just in front of Tiffany's fingernail. "'Shall we dance?' said Tiffany. In the clearing full of spinning seeds she circled the swarm. It kept up pretty well, moving fingertip to buzzing tip, turning when she turned, although there were always a few bees racing to catch up. Then it raised both its arms and twirled in the opposite direction, the bees in the skirt spreading out again as it spun. It was learning. Tiffany laughed and did the same thing. Swarm and girl whirled across the clearing. She felt happy and wondered if she'd ever felt this happy before. The gold light, the falling seeds, the dancing bees, it was all one thing. This was the opposite of the dark desert. Here, light was everywhere and filled her up inside. She could feel herself here but see herself from above, twirling with a buzzing shadow that sparkled golden as the light struck the bees. Moments like this paid for it all. Then the witch made a bees leaned closer to Tiffany, as if staring at her with its thousands of little jewelled eyes. There was a faint piping noise from inside the figure, and the bee witch exploded into a spreading, buzzing cloud of insects that raced away across the clearing and disappeared. The only movement now was the whirring fall of the sycamore seeds. Tiffany breathed out. Now, some people would have found that scary, said a voice behind her. Tiffany didn't turn around immediately. First she said, Good afternoon, Granny Weatherwax. Then she turned around. Have you ever done this? she demanded, still half-drunk with delight. 
It's rude to start with questions. You'd better come in and have a cup of tea, said Granny Weatherwax. You'd barely know that anyone lived in the cottage. There were two chairs by the fire, one of them a rocking chair, and by the table were two chairs that didn't rock, but did wobble because of the uneven stone floor. There was a dresser and a rag rug in front of the huge hearth. A broomstick leaned against the wall in one corner next to something mysterious and pointy under a cloth. There was a very narrow and dark flight of stairs, and that was it. There was nothing shiny, nothing new, and nothing unnecessary. "'To what do I owe the pleasure of this visit?' said Granny Weatherwax, taking a sooty black kettle off the fire and filling an equally black teapot. Tiffany opened the sack she had brought with her. "'I've come to bring you your hat back,' she said. "'Ah!' said Granny Weatherwax. "'Have you? And why?' "'Because it's your hat.' said Tiffany, putting it on the table. Thank you for the loan of it, though. I dare say there's plenty of young witches who'd give their high teeth for an old hat of mine, said Granny, lifting up the battered hat. There are, said Tiffany, and did not add, and it's high teeth, actually. What she did add was, but I think everyone has to find their own hat, the right hat for them, I mean. I see you're now wearing a shop-bought one, then, said Granny Weatherwax. One of them skyscrapers with stars she added, and there was so much acid in the word stars that it would have melted copper and then dropped through the table and the floor and melted more copper in the cellar below. Think that makes it more magical, do you? Stars? I did when I bought it, and it'll do for now. Until you find the right hat, said Granny Weatherwax. Yes, which ain't mine. No. Good. The old witch walked across the room and tugged the cloth off the thing in the corner. It turned out to be a big wooden spike, just about the size of a pointy hat on a tall stand. A hat was being constructed on it, with thin strips of willow and pins and stiff black cloth. I make my own, she said. Every year, there's no hat like the hat you make yourself. Take my advice. I stiffens the calico and makes it waterproof with special jollop. It's amazing what you can put in a hat you make yourself. You didn't come to talk about hats. Tiffany let the question out at last. Was it real? Granny Weatherwax poured the tea, picked up her cup and saucer, then carefully poured some of the tea out of the cup and into the saucer. She held this up and with care, like someone dealing with an important and delicate task, blew gently on it. She did this slowly and calmly, while Tiffany tried hard to conceal her impatience. "'The hive is not around any more?' said Granny. "'No, but... and how did it all feel when it was happening? "'Did it feel real?' "'No,' said Tiffany. "'It felt more than real.' "'Well, there you are, then,' said Granny Weatherwax, "'taking a sip from the saucer. "'And the answer is, if it wasn't real, it wasn't false. "'It was like a dream where you've nearly woken up "'and can control it, you know,' said Tiffany. "'If I was careful, it worked. "'It was like... "'making myself rise up in the air by pulling hard on my bootlaces. "'It was like telling myself a story.' "'Granny nodded. "'There's always a story,' she said. "'It's all stories, really. "'The sun coming up every day is a story. "'Everything's got a story in it. "'Change the story, change the world.' "'And what was your plan to beat the hiver?' asked Tiffany. "'Please, I've got to know.' "'My plan?' said Granny Weatherwax innocently. "'My plan was to let you deal with it.' "'Really?' So what would you have done if I'd lost? The best I can, said Granny calmly. I always do. Would you have killed me if I'd become the hiver again? 
The saucer was steady in the old witch's hand. She looked reflectively at the tea. I would have spared you if I could, she said. But I didn't have to, right? The trials was the best place to be. Believe me, witches can act together if they must. It's harder and heard in cats, but it can be done. It's just that I think we turned it all into a little show, said Tiffany. Ha! No, we made it into a big show, said Granny Weatherwax with great satisfaction. Thunder and lightning and white horses and wonderful rescues. <laughs> Good value, eh, for a penny? And you'll learn, my girl, that a bit of show every now and again does no harm to your reputation. I dare say Miss Level's finding that out already. Now she can juggle balls and raise her hat at the same time. Depend upon what I say. She delicately drank her tea out of the saucer, then nodded at the old hat on the table. Your grandmother, she said. Does she wear a hat? What? Oh, not usually, said Tiffany, still thinking about the big show. She used to wear an old sack as a kind of bonnet when the weather was really bad. She said hats only blow away up on the hill. She made the sky her hat then, said Granny Weatherwax. Did she wear a coat? <laughs> All the shepherds used to say that if you saw Granny aching in a coat, it meant it was blowing rocks, said Tiffany proudly. Then she made the wind her coats too, said Granny Weatherwax. It's a skill. Rain don't fall on a witch if she doesn't want it to. Although personally, I prefer to get wet and be thankful. Thankful for what, said Tiffany, that I'll get dry later. Granny Weatherwax put down the cup and saucer. Child, you've come here to learn what's true and what's not, but there's little I can teach you that you don't already know. You just don't know you know it, and you'll spend the rest of your life learning what's already in your bones, and that's the truth. She stared at Tiffany's hopeful face and sighed. Come outside, then, she said. I'll give you lesson one. It's the only lesson there is. It don't need writing down in no book with eyes on it. She led the way to the well in her back garden, looked around on the ground and picked up a stick. Magic wand, she said. See? A green flame leapt out of it, making Tiffany jump. Now you try. It didn't work for Tiffany, no matter how much she shook it. Course not, said Granny. It's a stick. Now, maybe I made a flame come out of it, or maybe I made you think one did. That don't matter. It was me, is what I'm saying, not the stick. Get your mind right, and you can make a stick your wand, and the sky your hat, and a puddle your magic... your... Your magic, er, uh, what are them fancy cups called? Er, uh, goblet, said Tiffany. Right, magic goblet. Things aren't important. People are. Granny Weatherwax looked sidelong at Tiffany. And I could teach you how to run across those hills of yours with the hair. I could teach you how to fly above them with the buzzard. I could tell you the secrets of the bees. I could teach you all this, and much more besides. If you do just one thing right here and now... One simple thing, easy to do. Tiffany nodded, eyes wide. You understand, then, that all this glittery stuff is just toys, and toys can lead you astray. Yes. Then take off that shiny horse you wear round your neck, girl, and drop it in the well. Obediently, half hypnotised by the voice, Tiffany reached behind her neck and undid the clasp. The pieces of the silver horse shone as she held it over the water. She stared at it as if she was seeing it for the first time, and then... She tests people, she thought, all the time. Well, said the old witch. No, said Tiffany, I can't. Can't or won't, said Granny sharply. Can't, said Tiffany, and stuck out her chin, and won't. 
drew her hand back and refastened the necklace, glaring defiantly at Granny Weatherwax. The witch smiled. Well done, she said quietly. If you don't know when to be a human being, you don't know when to be a witch. And if you're too afraid of going astray, you won't go anywhere. May I see it, please? Tiffany looked into those blue eyes. Then she undid the clasp again and handed over the necklace. Granny held it up. Funny, ain't it? But it seems to gallop when the light hits it, said the witch, watching it twist this way and that. Well-made thing. A course. It's not what a horse looks like, but it's certainly what a horse is. Tiffany stared at her with her mouth open. For a moment, Granny Aching stood there grinning, and then Granny Weatherwax was back. Did she do that, she wondered, or did I do that myself? And do I dare find out? I didn't just come to bring the hat back, she managed to say. I brought you a present, too. Oh, I'm sure there's no call for anyone to bring me a present, said Granny Weatherwax, sniffing. Tiffany ignored this, because her mind was still spinning. She fetched her sack again and handed over a small, soft parcel, which moved as it changed shape in her hands. "'I took most of the stuff back to Mr. Strong in the arm,' she said, "'but I thought you might have a... a use for this.' The old woman slowly unwrapped the white paper. The zephyr below cloak unrolled itself under her fingers and filled the air like smoke. "'It's lovely, but I couldn't wear it,' said Tiffany, as the cloak shaped itself over the gentle currents of the clearing. "'You need... Gravitas to carry off a cloak like that. What's gravitas? said Granny Weatherwax sharply. Oh, dignity. Seniority, wisdom, those sorts of things, said Tiffany. Ah, said Granny, relaxing a little. She stared at the gently rippling cloak and sniffed. It really was a wonderful creation. The wizards had got at least one thing right when they'd made it. It was one of those things that fill a hole in your life that you didn't know was there until you'd seen it. Well, I suppose... There is those as can wear a cloak like this, and there's those as can't, she conceded. She let it curl around her neck and fastened it there with a crescent-shaped brooch. It's a bit too grand for the likes of me, she said. A bit too fancy. I could look like a flippity-gibbet wearing something like this. It was spoken like a statement, but it had a curl like a question. No, it suits you, it really does, said Tiffany cheerfully. If you don't know when to be a human being, you don't know when to be a witch. Birds stopped singing. Up in the trees, squirrels ran and hid. Even the sky seemed to darken for a moment. Um, that's what I heard, said Tiffany, and added, from someone who knows these things. The blue eyes stared into hers. There were no secrets from Granny Weatherwax. Whatever you said, she watched what you meant. Perhaps you'll call again sometimes, she said, turning slowly and watching the cloak curve in the air. It's always very quiet here. I should like that, said Tiffany. Shall I tell the bees before I come so that you can get the tea ready? For a moment, Granny Weatherwax glared, and then the lines faded into a wry grin. Clever, she said. What's inside you, Tiffany thought. Who are you really in there? Do you want me to take your hat? You pretend to be the big, bad, wicked witch, and you're not. You test people all the time. Test, test, test. But you really want them to be clever enough to beat you because it must be hard being the best. You're not allowed to stop. You can only be beaten, and you're too proud ever to lose. Pride. You've turned it into terrible strength, but it eats away at you. Are you afraid to laugh in case you hear an early cackle? We'll meet again one day. We both know it. We'll meet again at the witch trials. I'm clever enough to know how you manage not to think of a pink rhinoceros. 
if someone says pink rhinoceros, she managed to say aloud. Ah, that's deep magic, that is, said Granny Weatherwax. No, it's not. You don't know what a rhinoceros looks like, do you? Sunlight filled the clearing as the old witch laughed as clear as a downland stream. That's right, she said. Chapter 15 A Hat Full of Sky It was one of those strange days in late February when it's a little warmer than it should be and, although there's wind, it seems to be all around the horizons and never quite where you are. Tiffany climbed up onto the downs where, in the sheltered valleys, the early lambs had already found their legs and were running around in a gang in that strange, jerky run that lambs have, which makes them look like woolly rocking horses. Perhaps there was something about that day because the old ewes joined in too and skipped with their lambs. They jumped and spun, half happy, half embarrassed, big winter fleeces bouncing up and down like a clown's trousers. It had been an interesting winter. She'd learned a lot of things. One of them was that you could be a bridesmaid to two people who between them were over 170 years old. This time Mr Weevall, with his wig spinning on his head and his big spectacles gleaming, had insisted on giving one of the gold pieces to... Our little helper, which more than made up for the wages that she hadn't asked for and Miss Level couldn't afford. She'd used some of it to buy a really good brown cloak. It didn't billow, it didn't fly out behind her, but it was warm and thick and kept her dry. She'd learned lots of other things too. As she walked past the sheep and their lambs, she gently touched their minds so softly that they didn't notice. Tiffany had stayed up in the mountains for Hogswatch, which officially marked the changing of the year. There'd been a lot to do there, and anyway, it wasn't much celebrated on the chalk. Miss Level had been happy to give her leave now, though, for the lambing festival, which the old people called Sheep Bellies. It was when the shepherd's year began. The hag of the hills couldn't miss that. That was when, in warm nests of straw shielded from the wind by hurdles and barriers of cut firs, the future happened. She'd helped it happen working with the shepherds by lantern light, dealing with the difficult births. She'd worked with the pointy hat on her head and had felt the shepherds watching her as, with knife and needle and thread and hands and soothing words, she'd saved ewes from the black doorway and helped new lambs into the light. You had to give them a show. You had to give them a story. And she'd walked back home proudly in the morning, bloody to the elbows, but it had been the blood of life. Later she had gone up to the Feagle's Mound and slid down the hole. She'd thought about this for some time and had gone prepared, with clean torn-up handkerchiefs and some soap-wort shampoo made from a recipe Miss Level had given her. She had a feeling that Jeanie would have a use for these. Miss Level always visited new mothers. It was what you did. Jeanie had been pleased to see her. Lying on her stomach so that she could get part of her body into the Kelder's chamber, Tiffany had been allowed to hold all eight of what she kept thinking of as the Roblets born at the same time as the lambs. Seven of them were bawling and fighting one another. The eighth lay quietly, biding her time. The future happened. It wasn't only Jeanie who thought of her differently. News had got around. The people of the chalk didn't like witches. They had always come from outside. They had always come as strangers. But there was our Tiffany, birthing the lambs like her granny did. And they say she's been learning witchery in the mountains. Ah, but that's still our Tiffany, that is. OK, I'll grant you that she's wearing a hat with big stars on it, but she makes good cheese, and she knows about lambing, and she's Granny Aching's granddaughter, right? 
and they tapped their noses knowingly. Granny, a king's granddaughter. Remember what the old woman could do? So if witch she be, then she's our witch. She knows about sheep, she does. Ha! And I heard they had a big sort of trial for witches up in them mountains, and our Tiffany showed him what a girl from the chalk can do. Modern times, right? We've got a witch now, and she's better than anyone else's. No one's throwing Granny Aking's granddaughter in a pond. Tomorrow she'd go back to the mountains again. It had been a busy three weeks, quite apart from the lambing. Roland had invited her to tea at the castle. It had been a bit awkward, as these things are, but it was funny how, in a couple of years, he'd gone from a, a lumbering oaf to a nervous young man who forgot what he was talking about when she smiled at him. And they had books in the castle. He'd shyly presented her with a dictionary of amazingly uncommon words, and she had been prepared enough to bring him a hunting knife made by Zack Zack Strong in the Arm, who was excellent at blades, even if he was rubbish at magic. The hat wasn't mentioned very carefully, and when she'd got home, she'd found a bookmark in the P section and a faint pencil underline under the word plongen, a small curtsy about one-third as deep as the traditional one, no longer used. Alone in her bedroom, she'd blushed. It's always surprising to be reminded that while you're watching and thinking about people all-knowing and superior, they're watching and thinking about you right back at you. She'd written it down in her diary, which was a lot thicker now, what with all the pressed herbs and extra notes and bookmarks. It had been trodden on by cows, struck by lightning and dropped in tea, and it didn't have an eye on it. An eye would have got knocked off on day one. It was a real witch's diary. Tiffany had stopped wearing the hat except in public, because it kept getting bent by low doorways and completely crushed by her bedroom ceiling. She was wearing it today, though, clutching it occasionally whenever a gust tried to snatch it off her head. She reached the place where four rusty iron wheels were half buried in the turf and a pot-bellied stove stood up from the grass. It made a useful seat. Silence spread out around Tiffany, a living silence, while the sheep danced with their lambs and the world turned. Why do you go away? So that you can come back so that you can see the place you came from with new eyes and extra colours. And the people there see you differently too. Coming back to where you started is not the same as never leaving. The words ran through Tiffany's mind as she watched the sheep, and she found herself filling up with joy, at the new lambs, at life, at everything. Joy is to fun what the deep sea is to a puddle. It's a feeling inside that can hardly be contained. It came out as laughter. I've come back, she announced to the hills. Better than I went. She snatched off the hat with the stars on it. It wasn't a bad hat, for show, although the stars made it look like a toy. But it was never her hat. It couldn't be. The only hat worth wearing was the one you made for yourself, not the one you bought, not the one you were given. Your own hat for your own head. Your own future, not someone else's. She hurled the starry hat up as high as she could. The wind there caught it up neatly. It tumbled for a moment and then was lifted by a gust and swooping and spinning sailed away across the downs and vanished forever. Then Tiffany made a hat out of the sky and sat on the old pot-bellied stove, listening to the wind around the horizons while the sun went down. As the shadows lengthened, many small shapes crept out of the nearby mound and joined her in the sacred place to watch. The sun set, 
which is everyday magic, and warm night came. The hat filled up with stars. Author's Note The doctrine of plant signatures mentioned earlier really exists in this world, although now it's better known by historians than by doctors. For hundreds of years, perhaps thousands, people believed that God, who of course had made everything, had signed each thing in a way that showed humanity what it could be used for. For example, goldenrod is yellow and so must be good for jaundice, which turns the skin yellow. A certain amount of guesswork was involved, but sometimes patients survived. By an amazing coincidence, the horse carved on the chalk is remarkably similar to the Uffington White Horse, which in this world is carved on the downlands near the village of Uffington in south-west Oxfordshire. It's 374 feet long, several thousand years old, and carved on the hill in such a way that you can only see all of it in one go from the air. This suggests that a. It was carved for the gods to see, or b. Flying was invented a lot earlier than we thought, or c. People used to be much, much taller. Oh, and this world had witch trials too. They were not fun. That is the end of A Hat Full of Sky. It was written by Terry Pratchett and read by Stephen Briggs.